Welcome to another episode of Who Made That Song podcast. This podcast aims to shine the spotlight on the people behind the creation of a song. The people who make a song. I'm your host, David Rotimi, and I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoyed creating it. So, episode two of the Who Made That Song podcast, and today's episode is a very special one because we have in our presence <laughs> the lawyer you should have. Gagan. <laughs> because not only does he know his crafts, he can also fight if he needs to get to that. Mm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I have Akinyemi and Yolua. Brother, in my makeshift studio. Welcome. Well, welcome. nice setup you've got, man. <laughs> Thank we you have very to much. start somewhere, and Thank you it can much. only get better from here. Most definitely. Thanks for having me on your podcast, and I believe that you're onto something great as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So uh, let me quickly read your profile because I think it's very important. So Akiyemi and Yolua is a partner and co-founder at High Tower Solicitors and Advocates. His music law practice focuses on the representation of recording artists, songwriters, record producers, record labels, investors in music, and talent managers. He is often recommended as a lawyer who breeds, drinks, and eats music. That's deep. Wow. <laughs> Again, his past legal experience includes associates at Wemimo Ogunde and Co. and Awokoya and Co. Prior to qualifying as a lawyer, he was a songwriter, recording artist, composer, and performer. He was the lead singer of the defunct 100 Degrees Boy Band. He has authored numerous articles in the field of music law, estate planning, commercial transactions, and regularly gets invited to deliver speeches and courses about these subjects. His specialties include intellectual property law, production contracts, recording contracts, artist management deals, synchronization deals, talent negotiations, music publishing, debt recovery, reputation management, and a whole lot more. On a small number of clients, Akiyemi functions as a business manager as well as a lawyer. In recent years, he has built up a formidable roster of producer clients from Afrobeats, which include Mastercraft, Black Jersey, North Boy, Rexy, the Grammy-winning producer, yeah. <laughs> Magic Sticks, Jay Pizzo, and many more. Akiyemi prides himself in helping clients understand the value of their intellectual property rights and to be mindful of the exploitation that is rampant in the industry. We are going to get to that. But ladies and gentlemen, I know you're not here with us, but wherever you are, please put your hands together for Akiyemi Law, as he's popularly known on Instagram. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. This is this is honestly. Um, Thanks for inviting me. I really, really appreciate this. It's a big honor for me because uh, from the very early stages of the podcast, I think you're one of the people that has been pushing me to go on. So I don't, I don't take that for granted. So thank you, thank you so so much. You're welcome. Um, congratulations on joining School Fees Gang. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> how's that going? Well. Uh, his grace is sufficient. That's what I can say. God has been faithful. You know, the business is doing well. And I'm thankful to God that we are 
building slowly and we're starting to thrive. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually enjoying being a father. And with the many milestones that comes with that, I'm, I'm thankful to God. That's amazing. That's amazing. Congratulations also on the songwriting challenge that happened um, a few weeks ago. And actually, I think like three months or two months. Has it been up to three months already? Yeah, like two months actually. My goodness, time is running. Time is running. Yeah, like from from next month, uh, that's yeah, October. That was the Salah period, which was uh, July. Yeah, I think it was like July. Yes. Or we started, I think, in August. Okay, you ran for, yes, you ran for about uh, Yeah, you ran for like, no, ran for like six weeks, actually. The promotion and okay, yes, 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 everything. Yeah, it was a good outing. Yeah, so that's, I even want to, I want to start the conversation on that note. Why did you think it was important to do that challenge? What was your aim going into the challenge? Okay, so that that's actually like the second time we're having a competition. The first... Okay. The first time um, was, I think, sometime in November, December last year. We had the first competition for songwriters to spotlight them. And uh, this, this is the second time we're having that competition, just to appreciate the effort of the music industry, um, to also help people acknowledge the importance of songwriters to everything that is happening in Afrobeat. A lot of people enjoy this music and they do not know that there's actually like a specialty with melodies. So um, I think that part of the music industry in Nigeria is still less developed on Keta too, and it would make a lot of sense if we start to have some kind of um, intentional uh, efforts from different people, from different players, space because it could also be money spinning uh, subset of the music industry. Well, why? Why do you think? it's not as developed as it should be. Yeah, I think like in any other music market, the recording artists are the superstars. <laughs> they get all the attention. Even, you know, a lot of record producers in Nigeria are still fighting to be, to get the acknowledgement, to get the plaudits that comes with, you know, creating great music. A lot of them are still fighting to, to be credited uh, on Spotify or music so so I'm much sorry. less is songwriters this, is this after they have gone through the due process of documentation yeah you find out that you sign all these contracts and sometimes there could be maybe a mistake or maybe someone is being mischievous you create music but you're not getting credit and it is important that you acknowledge for your work so that that can be a ladder to bigger opportunities so much less songwriters. If record producers are still struggling to be acknowledged, is it a lot tougher for songwriters in Nigeria, particularly in Nigeria? So I, I like how you mentioned that even though they have done the proper documentation and all of that, they still try to get exploited. So I now want to segue into the next section. 
where exactly do lawyers come in and what exactly are the functions of lawyers in the music space? Okay, um, lawyers are supposed to understand all the legal issues that might crop up or they are, they are supposed to be able to forecast whatever legal issues that might come up in the future. And then they, sh they always do their best to serve the interests of their clients, you know, by proper legal advice, proper business advice, and, you know, just to steer the ship in the right direction. Because the foundation of ownership and control in the music business is, you know, the foundation is ownership. Don't own uh, what you're creating, or if you can't control it, it might be at a very disadvantaged position. So, the music lawyers or the entertainment lawyers are supposed to, you know, by virtue of their expertise, competence, and many years of experience, they're able to advise properly. They're able to also problems. When these problems come up, they are able to provide solutions. Transactional, which means they're all about the business, the transactions, setting up entities, uh, taking care of paperwork, and all of that. And then some can be litigation lawyers. All they do is put out the fire when the fire starts <laughs> to rage. And then they go to the courtrooms and they take care of business, you know, when, when there are suits, they step in. So, and again, we have lawyers that do both. Okay, because I was for about me, to ask. For me, uh, um, you know, I stopped being a litigation lawyer like three years ago. So Why? Because, uh, man, that, that is another level of <laughs> hustle. And it can be like really, really exhausting there. to do everything. So I just uh, figured that I would be, you know, doing my best if I focus on the transaction area of the music business and I'm able to advise my clients. So, um, what else? So, a lawyer is supposed to be like your gladiator and then your gentleman. You should be your biggest advocate, always championing your interests, um, able to spot wahala <laughs> and help you dodge wahala, able to spot great opportunities for you that can elevate your craft. Uh, put your career on the next level because it's a marathon, man. It's not a 100-meter dash. And you, have, and you, at one time or the other, would need legal advice on how you can move from one state to the other. Okay. So is there any reason why you chose to represent um, specifically record producers and songwriters as opposed to the actual artists? I, I mean, you might represent artists that I don't know of, but I see you focus more on, like, producers. And so, yes, one of the reasons why, um, why I have, you know, at this time, I have more record producers and The reason is because I've been championing their interests for so long. In fact, when I was a very, very young lawyer, I've been writing articles about you know, the unfair treatment to record producers and songwriters in Nigeria. So I'm, 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 I'm talking about eight, nine years ago. And again, I'm also looking to see how 
I can be part of my legacy, you know, helping to build catalogs, helping to um, enrich the careers of Nigerian record producers and songwriters because I believe that they are the backbone of the Afrobeats that has been celebrated globally. Very few songwriters or, or recording artists are able to match the brilliance of record producers in Nigeria. Because a lot of the time, the beat is what makes the song, actually. That's what the people love. That's what the people move to. Very few of them are able to come up with lyrics or very few of them are able to actually do justice by way of a powerful delivery of the song. So, I, I, I'm, I, like, for now, I enjoy representing record producers and songwriters. I have a couple of recording artists as well, but... My passion at this time, it might change tomorrow, but <laughs> at the time of this interview, I'm more focused on um, recording uh, record producers and songwriters. All right. So based on this, I'm, I'm guessing that, I'm not guessing, it's certain that every songwriter, producer needs a lawyer. Yeah. If you, if you want to play big time, if you want to join the big leagues, you would have to. You can't escape it. Okay, so now, there are a lot of young... The music industry is, is growing at a crazy rate, especially the Nigerian industry, and there are a lot of young producers doing stuff. So what happens? Because, I mean, you have bills to pay also, and they realize they need representation. Uh, how can young producers and songwriters who can't afford your fees, how can they go about getting legal representation at this point? Yeah, I believe um, at whatever level you are, you would always find a lawyer who is able to represent you. I believe that. Whether, you know, you can go for a new lawyer or fresh out of law school, but who is passionate, who is brilliant, who is able to, you know, look out for your interests, or you can look for you know, i believe everybody at the level of your pocket at the level of a career there's always a lawyer around now the where things would be likely different would be the busiest lawyers or the most important lawyers are the most coveted lawyers <laughs> whether in nigeria abroad wherever we have rockstar lawyers in nigeria outside nigeria so I think as you progress your career, maybe you might be able to afford those rockstar lawyers. It's just like an upcoming artist in Nigeria looking to be represented by maybe Beyonce's lawyer or Michael Jackson's lawyer. So I think everybody would find someone at their level a legal representation that would, you know, that he can afford. At um, even like at my office, I have like four lawyers. Uh, we are very, very open to, you know, collaborating with special new talents. Remember, I said special is the underlining word. <laughs> very important. Any, anyone who is not special would have to pay for legal representation. Okay. But you know, there are times where you, you see someone that is really, really special who is putting in a lot of work. And it's on a journey already, and you can't but just want to be a part of that journey and to support them with the right kind of legal advice or representation. 
Absolutely. So let's even sp let's speak quickly about Hightower solicitors. Can you tell uh, me about what exactly um, you do there, and um, just for the listeners to be aware of? Yes. So about eight years ago, I co-founded a law firm with my best friend. His name is Henry Mijulu. I think and I know that name. Yeah, he's my, he's my partner. He's my best friend. So um, he's not a music lawyer. I'm the music lawyer. He's a commercial lawyer. And uh, by virtue of my experience, you know, I was once an entertainer myself. And... Uh, I was, at the time, also a talent manager and a publicist. <laughs> and, you know, I think um, when I started practicing entertainment law, music law, representing practitioners in the creative industry, I just wanted to stand out from the thousands and thousands of lawyers that are being churned out by the Nigerian law school. Law school. <laughs> Every year. So I just went back to, you know, my passion and it makes a lot of sense that when I left my, um, my tutelage uh, experience with my former law firm, it made sense that I would start a practice that is solely dedicated to, um, rep you know, representing creatives, uh, recording artists, record producers and songwriters. So, uh, you know, that is why I think I live vicariously through my clients, all these rock stars that I'm, that I'm representing. By representing them, I also get to live <laughs> that lifestyle. <laughs> so I think. So I was going to ask if the business has been booming, but based on your last statement, I can already tell that you are you're enjoying. I believe we've not scratched the surface yet. Um, we, the plan at Hightower Solicitors is to be a Pan-African law firm um, to represent the interest of the biggest, the brightest, the most, you know, the best talent out of Africa in the music industry and in the film industry as well. But for now, we're solely focused on the music industry because, um, you know, as the founder of the practice, that is like my first constituency. But I know that at the right time, we would expand to, you know, other sectors of the creative industry fully. So anyone that needs representation now can contact you? Well, you know, all this work we're doing, well, we're doing amazing work and we've earned a reputation for ourselves and we would keep growing. If there is anyone out there, you know, who feels they would like to collaborate, work with us, why not? We're always open to doing Great things. With special people. With special people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um, I also um, know that you have something, or you work with Gracage. Yeah. So can you also tell us quickly about Gracage? So I'm always like a co-partner, co-founder, co-everything. So, uh, so um, Gracage is a consulting company that I also co-own with a few of my partners and we offer um, certain services catered to the creative industry and the legal industry. We stage workshops, uh, seminars, webinars. We're looking forward to our first conference very soon as well. 
maybe when the pandemic totally blows over, we'll be able to stage um, a conference proper. So pretty much it's a consulting business um, that is heavily focused on advocacy and, you know, knowledge sharing for the creative and the legal industry. All right. That's, that's amazing work. You seem to be very busy. <laughs> that's, 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 that's really good. So you, you, made, you made a statement that the foundation in the music industry is ownership. And my, my aim for the listeners at the end of this episode is for everyone to have their LLBs, in quotes. Okay, from a podcast. Hey, that was a joke. That's but difficult. I want everyone to be... Um, Better aware, schooled. Yes, on the fundamentals of... Um, the business or the f- basics of intellectual property, which is one of your major areas of um, strength. Yeah. So I want to quick. I want you to talk about um, ownership and how that works. So, for example, I come to you as a producer. For example, I'm an artist. I want to sing, and we create a song together. You make a beat. I sing on it. What's what then? What is the next step of action or line, next line of action afterwards? And what are the, the nitty gritties of the intellectual property in such a scenario? Okay, so um, intellectual property in itself is a legal concept that confers ownership on people who build new products, who build new ideas that can be perceived or people will build reputation. So we're talking patents, copyrights, trademarks. Trademarks is about reputation. If you are known for uh, delivering a product that is excellent, maybe like you make the best shoes and your name is maybe Nike or Adidas, or you have a logo, that is what trademark protects. Now, when it comes to the music business, the fundamental theory of law that kind of, you know, really explains who owns what is the law of copyright. And what is copyright? Copyright says when you create something original, something in a fixed form, like music, like movies, like pictures and the likes, Copyright says that you have the exclusive right to be the one to benefit from what you created. So in the music business, if you wrote that lyric, or if you wrote the lyrics to a song, or you created an original beat in a fixed form, or you shot a music video to a song you own, then you would be the one in a position to exclusively enjoy what you created. So there are many rights that are connected to their, you know, being the one who created something. We call them economic rights. So essentially, copyright means the right to copy. So number one is you have the right to copy what you created. You have the right to copy it and make other duplicate copies. Number two, you have the right to reproduce... Duplicate is the same thing as reproduce. You have the you have a right to display. So if you create new copyright work, you have the right to display, put it in store, maybe on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple Music. Number three, you have a right to distribute. 
So, you know, we know that music gets to the stores when you're able to distribute. Sure. So after you create music as a product, that's to be distributed so that people can consume it. Number four, you have a right to the public performance of what you created. And for every, like in music now, for every song you, you listen to on radio, on TV, there are two sides to that song. So there's what we call the composition element of a song, of a record, I mean. There's the composition, which is the written uh, form of music. That is the composition. After you write music, somebody's going to perform it. Now, when you perform it, and then somebody captures that performance in what we call a sound recording, you have created another copyright. Okay. So this is the second copyright in the record. Number one was the composition, was the written part of the song. After every written song, which is the songwriting aspect of creating a record, there is usually a vocal performance. So when you go into the booth and then... When you go into the booth to perform that. And then after you're done performing, somebody will capture the performance in a fixed format. Maybe through using microphones and computers. Now you create another copyright, which is or the masters. And for these two elements of every record, these two different copyrights, they generate two different types of royalties. So the written aspect will generate all those royalties that we call publishing royalties. And then the sound recording will generate what we call master royalties. So royalties here being the earnings, earnings that from comes from consuming those copyrights. The record. Yeah, those copyrights. Okay. So yes, after you're done creating music with someone, because music is very collaborative, you have to understand that you've created an asset and now the question is, who owns what? To what degree do you have some kind of ownership in what you just created? What is the split in the composition? Is it 50-50? Is it 75-25? Because I contributed more, can I cl claim 80%? Because you wrote just a percent because it's a sound recording. Okay, so in a situation where people are in a studio, uh, let's say a typical song that has two verses, a hook, and maybe a bridge, for example. So you have to think about everybody that came together to create. Now, there are two sides to the song. Every record. 50% is for, you know, all the melodies, all the, all the percussion that you can find on the track. You should call the beat. The beats, the instrumentals. And then the, sec the other side would be the lyrics, the verses, the, the chorus, the hook. So usually it is supposed to be split in two. Maybe whoever created all those tracks would 50% because I'm the producer. And then the other 50% will be shared by um, those who contributed lyrics. But I think a lot of people are more disposed to just having an equal split between everybody who came together. So now if a producer created a record and there are maybe two, three other featured um, songwriters or recording artists who wrote their songs themselves, 
So the producer will just say, okay, let's just play four ways, 25, 25%, because we are four people. So everybody owns a quarter of the composition. So if the artist that now sings the song that we hear doesn't write any lyrics, they'd have no part in that composition aspect of the, of the royalties. Then is in the absence of any written document, it leaves room for a lot of confusion on who owns what and who gets the publishing royalties that would come from that song. Remember, if you create music, music also has its own... Uh, it, 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 it has its own life... How do I put this? So music is never dead when you die. It's going to be alive for a while as well. And it will continue to generate royalties, even when the creator is long gone. It could be, uh, a song can be alive for another 70 years when the composer is dead. So someone like Michael Jackson now, his music is still earning money yes. for him. So the, the music is an entity on its own that is still alive, that is still contributing in the creative space that is being consumed. And Michael Jackson's estate is entitled to the royalties that are, that are generated by virtue of consumption of his work. Exclusively, maybe for another 70 years after his death. So all those songs that he wrote, he would continue to earn from those songs, even posthumously. That's, that's really interesting. So you mentioned um, in the absence of documentation, it leaves room Yeah, for so there, there's likelihood for confusion. You don't know who owns what. So when some of these original collaborators, when they die, their estates do not know how to deal with their property because music is also like property. It can be bought, it can be sold, it can be transferred, it can be inherited, it can be mortgaged. So it can be used as a, as a collateral for a loan. So that is how commercially important uh, songs are, records are. So since we are focusing here on the people at the back end, so writers, producers, I think we'll be more focused on the composition aspect of the, of the, um, of the recording. So how does um, a producer, for example, now um, harness these earnings, for example? Because based on this, uh, a song can go very viral. So, I mean, Whiskey's Essence, for example, that started maybe somewhere in Lagos, is all over the world now. And based on what you're saying, if they both wrote the lyrics, that means they're earning money from that song all over the world. Yes. So how can a songwriter harness their earnings? Because from my understanding of this, it means that the money is... The song is being played in different parts of the world, and so it's generating money in all those parts of the world. So how can they get all their money in layman terms. Yeah, so um, they, ha they have to be properly set up to collect these monies. So that means you must be registered to a collecting society. That's like the foundation for being able to access this, uh, this royalties. Number two, you have to have like someone who is able to collect these monies across all the territories for you. So that someone can be somebody who takes care of your catalog, who oversees your catalog, who makes sure that you earn royalties from your catalog. Number three, which is also very, very important, is that 
your ownership or your, your interest in anything you create should be properly documented by signing split sheets and proper contracts, songwriter contracts, producer contracts. So I think those are the three major ways to guarantee that you're able to earn from your works. Because when you have a split sheet, you have to submit your split sheet to your collecting society or to whoever is taking care of a catalog. And then they are able to go to all those territories all over the world, collect the money on your behalf. They're able to go to all the digital stores globally. They're able to go to radio stations, able to go to arenas. Anywhere music is being consumed, they're able to track it through the use of technology, through the collaboration of collecting societies, through relationships with uh, distribution platforms. They're able to, you know, send in your split sheet and then they're able to collect on your behalf. So speaking of collection societies, which ones are available now for people to join? Yeah, in Nigeria, you have like, I think, two. You have MCSN and you have Kosun. In <laughs> the US, you have... BMI, ASCAP, and, and the UK RPRs. Uh, even in South Africa, they have their own version of their own collective site. Mm, Capasso? I think, uh, yes, there's Capasso and then there's Samro. So uh, everybody who is a songwriter has to be a member of a collective society. You can join anyone. Yeah, I think uh, myself, I have a lot of my clients who are affiliated with. Um, collecting societies in and out of Nigeria. Okay. That's so there I mean. isn't any kind of restriction per se. But is there, I mean, because there's been this conversation around Kosun and um, I don't, I'm trying to pick my words carefully, but um, more people tend to want to sign with collection societies outside Nigeria than... Yeah, that's a fact. Uh, I think 80% so? of my clients are, are like that. So the thing is, um, when you compare, you know, the stature of collective societies, people really, really want to affiliate with the best, those who have been around for a longer period, and those who seem to be more transparent with their operations, or those who seem to be more adept with using the best of technology to collect Realities. So I think that is the reason why a lot of people choose to be affiliated abroad than uh, uh, the local collective societies in Nigeria. Because I've seen a lot of situations where people advise others. I was in a conference once and some people were saying, oh, they're going to sign with Kosan. And someone told them, don't try it. <laughs> and well, it, was, I, it was like I, a death threat. I've been an advocate for Kosan for a long time. And I think they are getting better. Hopefully, um, maybe another five, ten years, they'll be able to, you know, become uh, a lot more efficient and transparent with more capable hands. I believe it's still a new um, entity and... It can only get better. So uh, I think they've recorded a lot of accomplishments in the short in the short time they've been around. And if they get better, if we give them more time to grow, uh, who knows? Hopefully, the hopefully they they improve because I know BMI is free to join as a songwriter. 
and that makes it very easy for a lot of people to just go ahead and sign up yeah, for them. Yeah, Crossone is free as well. Oh, it's, I, I, I thought there was a fee they no, paid. No, there, there is no fee. All you just need to do is sign the agreement. The agreement, okay. Now, let's, let's go back to record producers. Do record producers get, the same way artists get record deals, do record producers get any sort of deals from established record labels? Yes. Um, you could you could land a production deal with a big record company. You could also land a big publishing company with a big publishing company as well. So yes, we have you know the same opportunities are available, except that you know the nature of work or the job description is different. As a recording artist, what is expected of you is different to is different from what is expected from a recording uh, rec a record producer. Okay, so what of record producers that kind of do both? Yeah, it depends. You, you have to be sure that you understand what the deliverables are. Um, some people might be signing you just for your recording services. Okay, so it's well, always specified. Yeah, I think it's best to just have it well documented. Some producers will be signed for their recording services, which is they will be recording original music and uh, and delivering to the record company. While some will be signed for their producer services, okay. which is to make to make beats or to come up with um, you know production for um, maybe artists signed under the label or. Out, artists outside of the label. That's, that's quite interesting. Now, I want to quickly segue into um, trademarks because I know this is something you're also very passionate about. I think you, there was a time you put up a post for producers or record producers and I think songwriters to trademark their names and things like that. And I also want, I want to, for a case study, I want to use the example of Kiss Daniel, who was Kiss Daniel before and with the whole issue with um, his record label then. So I want us to use that as like a case study to, for you to explain the whole issue of trademarks and how important it is for people to get, get their brands trademarked and how they can even go about it. Yeah, so, um, you know, in the marketplace, it is good to have a good reputation. What makes you successful in the marketplace is that you can be easily identified. You know, maybe there are like 10, 15 people doing the same thing you're doing or 10 or 15 products that solve the same problems. You want to be able to stand out from how you look and then your name. So same thing in the music business, it is your reputation that would sell your tours, your concerts, your endorsement relationships, selling your music, your music videos, and the likes. So yes, you, you want to be able to protect your name and everything that defines you, everything that helps to identify you. Because if you fail to do that, then somebody else might have more priority or somebody else might have a better claim in law to that name. So if you are going by a particular name and then you fail to maybe protect your access to that name, 
somebody else somewhere that might never have met you might go a step further and then properly document that name. <laughs> While you still own it. While you still bear it. While you're still using it. Yeah. And then there might be a reason to sell in the same marketplace. And what the concept of trademarks is that is that everybody should be able to enjoy their connection to their service or their products. And nobody should be able to profit off somebody else's goodwill or connection to the service of the product. So if somebody else has gone ahead to properly uh, register the name, if the matter gets to court, the person might have a better avenue of proving that they were first in line to register. And it could be the case that you actually started using that name, but nobody knew about it. Or the name wasn't that prominent when you started using it. And then it comes along maybe two, three years after you started using the name and it was prominent before you. And then you could also have a claim to say, oh, but this is my original name, blah, blah, blah. But then the court would have to decide who has more priority, who has done what should be done. It doesn't matter who started first. Exactly. Documentation is really important. It's very important. And then you have to register in territories that you might be interested in. Because music is a world, it's, it's a global sport. The marketplace is global. You can be a, a Brazilian artist living in New York, singing <laughs> uh, African music. Yeah. And your biggest fans might be from Germany. And then you, you know, so... It's a lot to do with. You might need to just focus on how to protect your, your trademark, your name, your reputation in the markets that are most important to you. Okay. But will it be possible to register everywhere? Yeah, you can. If, it's, if there are some conventions or there are some territories where when you register in a particular territory, it will take care of other parts of the territory. Like if you register in any of the European countries, you, you know, if you register under Euro law, you, you'll be protected in the, in the Eurozone. So also there are other conventions that when you register under the convention, you'll get protection from the territories that subscribe to that convention. Right, so say someone wants to trademark, maybe a producer or singer or songwriter. Yeah, wants to I would trademark. always advise you start from Nigeria, and as you get bigger, uh, Afrobeats is, you know, really expanding. Register in the Eurozone. Register in the UK. Register yeah, in the UK US. is big. So how can they Canada. go about it in Nigeria? Where yeah, do they go? No, just get like, you know, you can reach out to any music lawyer, entertainment lawyer. I can reach out to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you can also register with, um, you know, anyone who has done it before that has a track record of getting it done. All right. So you were speaking earlier, and I, I, I kind of remember this whole situation of some guy named Wise Kid mm -hmm. <laughs> that went to Audiomark and put up a whole made in Lagos. I think it was his... I think he called it Lagos Made or something. And, and he had amassed a crazy number of streams also by using um, a name kind of similar to Wiz Kid. And also also using the name of the album. But now he was, I think he was 
taken down by audio mark and stuff. But based on your explanation, he wasn't exactly using WizKid's name. He also wasn't using the um, Made in Lagos name as it were on WizKid's album. So where, where did the law find him at fault in that situation? Well, if there's any likelihood of confusion, Okay. If my name is Akiemi Law now, if anybody comes with Akin Law <laughs> and is maybe doing the same thing that, that I'm doing, there's going to be a likelihood of confusion. So even Kiss Daniel and Kiss Daniel still... still like the same thing. So I don't know what the court is saying about that, but it's just there's no difference. If you are wise kid and I'm wise kid, it, you know, it's like somebody's mischievous with trying to benefit where they didn't. So, trying to reap all the benefits of my notoriety or my <laughs> reputation for excellence and trying to profit of that. So, that, that could, you know, be a problem. And I'm happy that the, the whiskey camp were able to move in fast on that. Very fast. They were able to arrest the situation. So, let's even speak about um, Keith Daniels' um, situation because he was signed to a record label at that time. But then on leaving the label after the whole debacle, he decided to take, or rather, he said he couldn't use that name again. So could you explain why the label was able to do that? And Well, the thing is, I don't know what he signed. Okay. And, you know, I don't know. I've I've been privy to a lot of contracts where, you know, trademark is also always like an important issue. But usually the talent gets to keep their names, except in cases where there is a band. Maybe the label is bringing like two, three, four, five people together. And then they have the name for the band and then they trademark the name for the band. But for for like 90, 99.9% of contracts that I've seen, the artist would be the owner of his name. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't know what, what Kiss what signed. Details of his contract. I don't uh, know details, so I can't really speak to that. So, which brings back, back the importance of having a good lawyer when you are signing contracts like that. Because I'm guessing anyone that, if he had you, for example, or anyone in that situation that had, probably would have spotted out if there was yes, a clause yes, like that. You would have objected to that kind of clause. situation. Yes. Another very um, big issue or big case with songwriting and who owns what in Nigeria is the whole Tiwa Savage, Seishi on Lover Lover. And it was, it was, it's been going on for a while. And recently I was even listening to something, a podcast, where apparently the person played the original demo. I don't know if you've heard it before. Um, Sheishe is... So, actually wrote... Okay, so here's what happened. Sheishe and Sizamili actually yeah. wrote Lover Lover and recorded a demo the version demo, yeah. produced by Gospel on the Beats. Yeah. And somehow, somehow, Tiwa Savage ended up being the one that um, made the song go viral and stuff. And Sheishe started... Um, claiming rights to it as she should have because based on what you explained now. Did she, did she make any move beyond just talking to her? I don't think so. I don't think so. But when I when I heard, for the fact that there was a record, I mean, it had just been... Was the original played on the podcast? 
Yes, it was. Serious? I, I would, I, when I heard I, it, too, I, I, I was, have to listen then. I would send it to you after this. Yeah. It was, it was a different beat. So, Tiwa Savage version was produced by Spells and had Duncan Mighty. Um, but in the original demo, the, the beginning of the song, um, the part, there was a part where Sizamili did some ad-libs or stuff like that. It was also there. And the exact lyrics and everything had Sheishi's voice on it. Are you serious? I was, I was screaming when Are I... Are you serious? I'm telling you, uh, it I'd was, like to listen to that. It was uh, Motolani Alake, uh, the Pulse writer. Yeah. He, he has a podcast also. I think. Serious? I'm, I'm telling you, it was... But it the was, one you are saying, where it was played, is... It's on the podcast. They played it on the podcast. What's the name of the podcast? Terms and Conditions okay, podcast. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll I think it's Excel, that. Joel, Melody, Hassan, oh, great, and... Uh, great, great. I, so, you I, know... I screamed, honestly. Um, if if she has a legal team and she's interested in pursuing that, that's something that can easily be dealt with. She should go after the publishing interest on, on the new record because that is a derivative. If she wrote it, if she wrote the lyrics in that song and, you know, uh, the act nemesis now. Right? <laughs> it was, it was, a, I, uh, I, I, I didn't believe my ears. Now use the song because I think that's one of Tiwa's biggest songs. It, it, it took over Nigerian airwaves yeah. that year that it came so out. So that, that must have been... You know, the thing is, with creatives, eh, when they are slighted or cheated, it, it cuts differently, like... Yes, because it's, it's your hard painful, work. painful, yeah. And then you see someone else thriving off your, your, fact, your on, creativity. On that podcast... Go any on. kind of acknowledgement. On that podcast, there was a call... Phone call, recorded phone call conversation between Shei Shei and Tiwa Savage. It was. I, Are you serious? <laughs> I'm telling. You, I want to look for it now, but I, I don't think we'll have the time to play. So no, I, think, no, I think you should give these guys some snippets. <laughs> okay, so I'm yes, I'm going to put it on the yeah, podcast yeah. actually, and I'll send it to you. So, yeah, but that's true. But we'll, we'll, I hope that won't cause any that's copyright. copyright stuff. Yeah, we have exactly. to get permission. Okay. No, but again, we're analyzing it, so it's not like it was. It was a. I, I couldn't believe my ears, honestly. But see, I don't want to get any, into any copyrights sure. uh, before Motala yeah, and you so come from my head. But, but I'll definitely send it to you. Yes, yes, so definitely do that. Listen. Because it was a big issue. And for a long time, I mean, nobody, at the end of the day, I could understand why people were on Tiwa Savage's side because she was also in the dark. And it ended up being that uh, since Amelie was the one that illegally, yeah. there was a whole thing around her. But it was such a, I think it was, it's, it's a, Scenario that needs to be broken down and used as a case study. Wow, to... man. I, I think I, I, I would go over, listen, and I'll just send you like the the timestamps. Yeah. It was, it was. I don't know how, I don't know who sent <laughs> that version to Botolani, but I mean that's his job. He's a journalist. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they got the phone call conversation between Shei and Tiwa. So everyone, what you're going to be hearing for the next couple of seconds or minutes is an excerpt from the Terms and Conditions podcast by Pulse. Credit for this goes to Mutolani Alake of the Terms and Conditions podcast. Um, I actually do have JJ's version of Lover Lover here. You do? Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah, hold I just hold got the message now. Hold up. You're saying that you have... This would be the 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 song that Shay Shay recorded. Is this just Shay Shay alone or she and Cesar Millie? Shay Shay alone on this record. I also have like um, a conversation between Shay Shay and Tiwa Savage. 
after like screenshots or like a recorded conversation. A recorded conversation. Oh wow. Okay, wait, hold up. You're saying first of all, one at a time. <laughs> one at a time. You're saying that you have um Sheishi's version, the original version of, of Lover Lover. Lover. Yes, it's here. Can we play that? Do we have can, is, it, is it possible for us to play that? Um, can you guys hear us? <laughs> oh, okay. I think I hear it. Oh, yep. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 I think we can pause it now. I think we I think we we whoa, whoa, bro. So here's the thing. This is wild. The version that we that we hear here that we it's, can hear here yeah. is was produced by Gospel on the Beat. Okay, the one that came out was produced by Spells. By Spells, featuring Don Kamaiti. Don Kamaiti is not this version. Yeah, that second verse is where Don Kamaiti came in. Yeah, but here's the thing. Both versions, both songs. She actually says she co-wrote her version. Okay. But the other the other song right on the verse on on the song this is Amili. Yeah, he's the one that did the lamba at the beginning. Yeah, this is Amili. This Amili is saying that um, so this Amili co-wrote some of the songs. This Amili gave it to Tiwa Savage. That was how the song got to Tiwa Savage. And obviously he didn't inform hmm. Sheishi. So like Sheishi said, she was just in America. Exactly. And they, a and song she that she knew that she recorded. That she, she said her team was perplexed. And if then you, she, she, had run mad. she had a conversation with she, to, to a savage about it. So you have the conversation she shared. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do, I do. Actually. Do I want it's, to know where you got it from? You don't know. No, it's right. not going to tell you, of course. We can hear it, yeah. You can we can hear yeah, it. Yeah, we can. All right. Right. Well, let's 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 analyze that song first. First of all, um, okay, hold up. Um <laughs> this is a lot to take in. Um, the first version, which we just heard, the beat was changed. Yeah. You know? The beat mm-hmm. was changed. This one is more folk, folksy. I don't like this The beat. other one is Afro. I don't, I like, don't this like this beat. original beat. Shout out to Spells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Spells. I think this one is more up-tempo. I think it was slow down. No, no this one is slow. This, this one is slower? slower? This one is slower than the other one. That one is faster. Mm, no. no. This is more no, up-tempo. This is faster. That one was faster, no, I think. No, no. I think this is, this is, this is faster. Tiba's and the way Shay came on, on it is faster. Was, was slower. Tiba's service version was slower. Yeah. Okay. Um. Mm. But the the other the tempo of that one, I think that one was faster. But it's fine. Mm. And then the difference is Don Kamaiti and some of the other things that made that song blow. The beat was better. Obviously. The beat was better. Don Kamaiti had a great Don Kamaiti verse. had a great verse on it. Don Kamaiti was on a great run at the time. At the time. In, in the middle of a great run, actually. In, in this, this, in everybody. this, in this version, Samili's lamba is at the beginning. Let's even, let's finish. Mm. 
So I, I had to fast forward it a little bit. Yeah. So, so no Duncan Knight. Caesar Millie's Lamba. Yeah. And this one is at the beginning. Yeah. In the, in Tuas Office, I don't think it was at the beginning. I think it was that was that the beginning. I think it was somewhere in the middle. Because mm. I'm trying to remember it from the I can't even video. remember to be honest. I'm remembering from music. I, I can't remember. Somewhere at the, I can't remember. At the middle or something. Yeah, I can't remember. Hmm. Obviously, this was this is very, very unfinished. Yeah. What we are even listening to is a very probably the first the first um studio ever. Yeah, yeah, it's not mixed. This was it wasn't mixed. mixed. But it's actually interesting. What I want us to talk about is then the conversation that they had. She said Tiwa called her. Did the conversation really happen? I have the conversation. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Are you guys ready? Let's hear it. Say hoo ha. Hoo ha. I don't trust the Tolani Abed. Hello. See. Oh, shit. Hello. Hi, love. Hi. Yes, I can. Okay. So, look. Tiwa. Yeah. I don't want. Voila. See, I don't want negative vibes. Yeah. Everybody has called me from Auntie Azuka to Tasha to Kamal to every different people self way. I'm sure maybe you don't even know about this matter. And they've told me that one way or another, either way, you're not going to give me any credit for what I allegedly wrote on this, uh, your record. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't, I'm not happy about that, but. I can't, I can't beg you for credits. Do you understand? Um, I'm told that you have evidence that Gospel said I didn't have anything to do with it. Whoa. Gospel also told me that, yeah. Pause, please. spoke to you. Pause. Right? Uh, We're going to finish this version, actually. We're going to finish this. Yeah, but that's... How long is it? About 12 minutes. The first, the first, the first version of the song we heard was produced by Gospel. yeah, yeah. yeah. And here, here Sheisha is saying that gospel said she had nothing to do with exactly. it. Exactly. We got the breakdown. No, no, but here's the thing. So that gospel is saying that Sheisha had nothing to do with the song. So if gospel is saying Sheisha had nothing to do with the song, it means that Tiwa Savage legitimately could take the song up. Yes, that means Tiwa Savage believed. Believed that. So it is not on Tiwa. But let's continue. And he told you that... Um, the song was not brought, but we all created it in the studio, right? I don't know how far your conversation went with him, but I've spoken to him and he can, and he admitted and he confessed. He said, yo, I know what you part you wrote. I know your melody. I have everything here in my studio and I know when you did it and I know what you did. I said, exactly. Do you understand? So I have him too saying that. Do you understand? And even Caesar, Caesar, I have him too saying it i have the snapchats of the day that i we were happy about what we wrote i have my voice notes you as a writer you know when you're writing a song you record it maybe you put it on voice notes or whatever i have that i have the snapchats i have the demo there's no need for me to lie or to fight you on top of this matter away it's not going to even make me rich i don't want money i don't want any of that my team have been pressuring me to go for my credit and go for what's rightfully mine. And that's all, you know, I think Kamal tried to do when he spoke to you. And even when I tried to speak to you that day too, just let you know. Because what Caesar did really, eh, is a bit messed up. Because I know that if you knew that I had it... Now, let's talk about Caesar, right? A young guy. Superstar potential. Fantastic songwriting skills. One of the best in the business. 
claims he's, he's, written, he's even written a song for Rihanna, right? So it was in the writing camp for that Rihanna. It was in the writing camp for Rihanna, right? Mm-hmm. Hasn't been able to catch a break as an independent artist. And he once claimed to write a song for Bonaboy. We yeah, this was when was this? When was this? Um, that was about two years ago. I remember this. I remember yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. His own label put out a statement. Bonaboy was angry, if you guys remember, that the only person that wrote a song for him on African Giants was Peruzzi. And do you guys know what that song was? Uh Pull Up. Pull up. Pull up. Yeah, but Peruzzi never even got credited for the song, by the way. He never got credit for the song. Um, because if you check like the rollouts and the credits, his name is not there. Tobetuku, what's his name again? Something. <laughs> Aristocrat put out a statement. You guys remember his label put out a statement that he never wrote a song for Bonaboy. Mm-hmm. So this guy has a history of deception. Let's continue. Had anything to do with that song? You may not have actually take, taken it. He's played me your songs as well. And I said, I don't want them. But well, here's also the that thing. That makes for a better Especially in advanced <laughs> climbs. In advanced, in advanced climbs where people record songs. Like, mm. for example, Chandelier by Sia. Sia. So far to Rihanna. Yeah. I think she recorded it and passed on it. Um, I think Miley Cyrus's party in the USA, I think it was a Katy Perry song. Katy Perry passed on it. You get what I mean? Yeah. So in this situation, Chaisha had clearly not passed on a version of Lover Lover. So who was right? Who was right? Who was wrong? Yeah, clearly it doesn't look like it's either them. It's it's looking it looks like Sizamili is the villain. Is the villain of, of this, this entire story? Yeah. Let's go. Huh. I just feel like it's getting out of hand. You know, I didn't tell anybody that I wanted to go public or do anything like that. I just wanted to you to know my involvement in that record. When I heard your single out i called caesar immediately i was like yo he didn't say anything to me for almost two weeks do you understand and when i finally did speak to him it was after my manager had spoken to him yeah and my manager had gotten a confession out of him can you believe he was now telling me oh fuck me fuck this fuck that and i said caesar are you sure that you want to say that i didn't write anything he said you didn't write anything not knowing that i've already spoken to my manager my manager has told me that he's already caught him that he's already admitted so why he's doing bravado with me, I don't know. But like I said, I can't, I don't want to beg you. <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. be begging you. I can't be begging you for, you know, credits and all these things. Do you get? Like, it doesn't make sense. So since you don't want to acknowledge that or credit me or whatever, I just want you to know that, yes, I did have a lot to do with that record because it was my session. It was my vibe. I told um, gospel what I wanted I told Caesar what I wanted I changed the parts that I didn't like I used my own melody for that that hook that his own voice is on that he's doing I have everything I have all the evidence do you understand and if I wanted to fight with you honestly I wouldn't be doing it this way and I don't want any problems between you and I because the same place that that song came from or the vibes or the idea is the same place many more songs will come from so it's not really about fighting or any of these things. Like, I can write songs like that or melodies like that in my sleep. It doesn't matter. And I'm sure you can too. Talk your shit, Shane. <laughs> Talk your shit. That, that boy is lying to you. Yeah? And I have no reason to lie. And I'm even happy that it's you that sang it. Because it sounds dope. Do you get? Aww. But as long as you just know, Aww. I'm a free song for you, Let- you guys. It's fine. Have it. Just take it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'll free everything. 
Just Tiwa Savage responding. You know that Tiwa. Yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah. I just told my mom, I'm not giving any credit. Because when he came to me, he didn't play me your version. He played me a melody from his voice note. Ah, you see. Oh, thing. oh, 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 wait. Sizamili didn't play. Sheisha says Sizamili played her to Savage's record. But Tua Savage is saying that Sizamili never played her Sheisha's record. So Sizamili went to re-revoice on a, a voice, voice note. note. And played that for Tiwa Savage. Dog, this the plot thickens, bruv. The plot thickens like. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's continue. You do the analysis. Right, so he, he did the song. He did some parts, same thing. I didn't like it. I changed some lyrics and melody. Because verse is completely different from your verse. Are the verses completely different? The first verse is not. It's not different at all. But then again, but, but hold up, hold up. First of all, you know, she didn't listen to um, Shay's version. She listened to what Sizamili played. Yeah. So maybe Sizamili went to do new verses and stuff, and that's what she heard. Hmm. Do you get? Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I even told him I didn't want that verse. So I, I redid it, me, him, and so. So he came back to me and he said that you're asking for credit. So I said, she right back. First of all, I didn't even know you're giving the song to anybody. I would, I don't touch anything that anybody has done. I don't touch anything that anybody has done. Is it? Have we ever seen to a savage in a situation like this before? Nope. First and only time she was lied to, bro. She was lied to. So the villain here is not to a savage. But is she, is she right to be aggrieved and to be telling to a savage that you stole my song? Because so because Tiwa Savage is the one that eventually sang it. Yes, we can understand why she would channel that energy there. But the song, she, here the, song, she, the song became a hit record. She, here she's saying, I give it to you. She said it. Should we go back? Yeah, I, I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. Let's continue. Um, they bring a song to me and they say, we've already presented it to this person. The worst I'll do is I'll tell them I'll jump on that song with that person. Yeah. I don't take songs. Or if I've spoken to the person and the person is telling me you can have it. Do you guys think that to a savage, if she had heard Shayish's version, she would have said, let's jump on the song together? I can't say for sure, but imagine that. Imagine if Love Alaba was Tiwa Savage and Shayishay and Duncan Michael. Bro, that would have been wild. Let's let's finish. Let's finish. Let's finish what to song. But in all my history of any song I've released, there's no song that I have not had involvement in. I've never had a song a hundred percent written for me. Right. Ne- I've never done that. Right. And when he told me that you wanted credit, that was the first thing I asked. I said you can only get credit if you are part of the writing. He said no. That you've never written anything. All the five songs that he wrote, he wrote for you for your for your EP or your album, he said you didn't write anything. That he writes everything a hundred. Can you imagine? Can you I'm imagine this guy? Men has come. Let's 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 finish this up. I said, are you sure? He said yes. Let me. Let, let me let, can I just quickly yes, interject? I can't give credit. But I'm not so. So you, you know, I let you finish everything, Shirley. Okay. So I'm you listening. saying that? I don't want to 
give you, I don't want to give you credit, and it's fine. I'm not saying I don't want to give you credit because you wrote on the song. If you write on the song, then you're going to have credit. Well, what you believe is that I didn't. I'm not giving credit because, yeah. yes, because I got on the phone with gospel, and gospel said the same thing. He said, <laughs> Mama, I'm not going to lie to you. Hold up, pause. Second man has come moment here. First of all, we have her. But here's the thing. Do we even know for a fact that Sheishi ever wrote on this song? She, it's only her word here. It's her word here. But Sheishi says that um, her manager her confirmed. Manager confirmed that she's really confessed to her manager. manager. So there might be another recording out there in the wind Maybe of we'll, Sizamili confirming to um, I like this part. So Gospel on the beat said he's ready to testify that Shay Shay did not write the song. Yeah. So she, these are the people that Shay should actually well, have problems with. We can't. Yeah. Let's finish. Let's finish. Yeah, but gospel is changed. He's changed his tune now, as of this morning, and I have ah, the. And okay, I have the, wait, wait, another recording, wait, another recording, another. <laughs> Don't any whatever source you got this recording from. Try and reach out to that source to see if we can get that other recording. Recording of it, I had to remind gospel. I said, gospel, you t- you said this to Tiwa, yeah, but do you remember? And I had to play it to him and I had to talk to remind him. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's true. It's true. That's your melody. He said he's going to go back and listen to your song because he hasn't even heard your, your own version properly. Do you understand? So he wasn't sure when he was talking to you. I said, please, you need to go back and refresh that session. Because if you remember correctly, this is the part I wrote. He was like, it's true, it's true, it's true. He goes, you know what? I'm going to call, um, call Caesar. I'm going to call Tiwa back, actually, and correct that. He said, because actually, by rights, I should even go, if, if by rights, if that's the case, I should even go and click. But this thing that Shea is doing, in a way, is something that a lot of Nigerian artists don't do. Yeah. They don't fight for their rights. They don't even know their rights. Shea is a seasoned songwriter, so, so she knows. She knows. Let's go. Claim part of that writing. Because, Tiwa, you know how songwriting sessions go. You can't have four or five people in a room, right? And nobody puts any you know, uh, uh, inspiration or any, their, their own, you know, uh, their own inputs. You, I mean, you know, because you're a writer. And, and the fact It's of, actually interesting that they are both writers. It, so, is, mm-hmm. it is, it is, it yeah. is. When I heard your record... I've written four artists and they didn't do anything. They're in the room they're telling me, oh, a, 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 like an artist. Well, this is what you were saying. Yeah. They'll say, oh, um, I want a song about heartbreak. I see. I understand that. I understand that. I did that no, with Caesar so, too. Shout out to Tua for admitting that. Shout out to the debate between two songwriters. It's like a debate at this point. And Sheishi can't, like, you know, in the debate, your, your opposing counsel is like, is bringing, is knocking you. And you're like, ah, I feel I'm. <laughs> Nobody says that's a cause. Nobody says that. That's only the concept. In coming up with the song, which is what gospel and Caesar made me understand. Well, uh, like I said to you, all I'm going to do now, all I'm going to do now, like I said to you, is let this go. You can have it. And he can have it. If he, I don't even care anymore. Because I have evidence of Caesar admitting recorded 
right? He admitted, and I have evidence of gospel saying that. Just, just Here's the thing. She has evidence of both Caesar and gospel. Okay. Did she send it to Tiwa Savage? I don't know if she did. If she sent it to Tiwa Savage, that means she could have said, you stole my song. Uh, but you know, here she's just saying, you know what, you can have it. She's... But here's the thing. If she never sent it. But there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no. This morning, which is after he spoke to you, he said, he, he said, oh, shit, it's true. You know what? My bad. You're right, actually. I remember the part you sang. I remember. I have everything recorded. I also have my voice notes. See, well, I keep all my voice notes of when I was humming the melody onto my phone. Yeah, I also he, have... He said, he said he would hum a melody. He said he would hum a melody. He said you would hum that same melody. Caesar. Oh, okay. You know what? See, well, if you want to believe that, that's fine. Like I said, it doesn't matter because... He has more to lose. But it's so nice to be hearing to hear people arguing in British accent. <laughs> and now imagine that. Imagine so look at it from Tiwa's perspective again. Tiwa would have, it's very possible that Tiwa has been in a situation where our producer the stretch, Kelvin, <laughs> where um she writes everything yeah. for an artist. And maybe down the line, the artist will say, Yeah, I did this. I did it's this. It's very possible. I did that. So she's imagining that that kind of scenario. Probably happened. Happened. Maybe Caesar did all the work, and people know Caesar is a fantastic writer. It's yeah. not a hidden yeah. thing. People yeah. know. Yeah. Right. So it's like it could be a thing where so Tiwa said it could be a thing where Caesar did the right thing, and this woman just they come claim attached. If in in the right country, in the in the right climate, so um, Caesar should be making a ton of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Nigeria was a fantastic country with good system, you're looking at people like Esther Dean. Well, Esther Dean doesn't release music, bro. Now. With what you have just said, this this kind, um, fast, crafty P, according to this storyline that yeah. Zamili pulled, yeah. is it because of the climb we're in, where, as a songwriter, you have to basically move, move mad because here's to make thing. money. If you write a song for Tua Savage, no offense to Shea Shea, if you write a song for Tua Savage, Shea Shea has had hits, but in 2018. Who would you have wanted to write a song? African for? bad girl. Yeah, there's no, there's no. Can you? But again. The problem is the dishonesty that we are seeing here. Web of lies. Web of lies. Let's finish up. <laughs> Let's finish up. Listen, I do. Why? Because he knows what he's done is wrong. He knows that you'll be upset with him if he tells hmm. the truth. Now that he has told the truth and we have it on recording, on recording, Kamal has it on his phone. It doesn't matter to me anymore. At least I'm at peace with myself. That's all I wanted. And now I have it. I'm at peace with myself. I don't have to. I just and you can understand where she is. is my pissed at this because she has seen that this record is successful. Oh my God. I told you to let you understand that I don't have to lie to you and I'm not lying to you. Caesar has said what he has to say. Thank God gospel has come out and said the truth. <laughs> gospel. That's gospel has come out to say what thing to say. <laughs> if only somebody told. Send you all that evidence. If only somebody told. Tiwa Savage, the gospel truth. If only. If only. Should we change it? Let's finish this. Conversation is 
between me and gospel and my voice knows and everything whether you choose to listen to it or not that's up to you but just so you know I don't want to fight you now. What she sent? There's no bad... I'm not on this bad vibe, bad energy thing. If you want to believe Caesar... Wait, wait, wait. wait. She sent the audio. Yeah. To Tuwa Savage. Yeah. Hmm. So she sent. If you want to believe it, it's fine. Hmm. But she also... Like, she sent and she's also saying, you know what? What's done is done. Yeah, but... Could Tuwa Savage have given her credit? She could have. She could have. She could have. She could have. Let's go. Let's hear it finish. That's cool. That's fine. I respect you for that. That's cool. But I'm going to send you the evidence I have. Yeah? And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to go any further with this matter. Okay. Well, it was, I, since that day that I listened to it, I just realized that there, there is a lot that could go wrong between the point where you write down the song and the point where it's recording and uploaded. Trust me, like, you, you, don't, you don't know the oral stories that, <laughs> that are very prevalent in this business. Where, you know, people were in the studio sweating day and night to create music and somebody else is just driving off the music. You have this big song that changed their lives and the people who, are, who did the work are not able to benefit. Even in the gospel industry, I represent quite a number of record producers in the gospel industry? Still, yeah. And wow. are still suffering. You know, they, they created music, they created instrumentals, beats. They helped record songs that went viral globally that set the careers for some of these new A-list I, 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 I know you talents. won't want to mention their no, names. I can't. <laughs> and, you know, nobody's... The, the people who did the work are not able to you know, benefit from so, as songwriters, as record producers. It's really, really pathetic and very, very disheartening. Even in the gospel music industry, that kind of thing. <laughs> so you think can, that because... <laughs> you think <laughs> these guys are Christ-like. They're supposed <laughs> to be ministers. So it's, the gospel industry is actually one I'm also quite passionate about because I'm a Christian also. And for a long time, I've seen that a lot of... There have been a lot, a lot of disparity. In fact... If Even, you, if you ask, I think the gospel industry is the uh, most anyhow type of industry. When if it comes to the in, music. If you're not a Nigerian, anyhow means they just do things in the spur of the moment. They don't even give any kind of attention to laying the foundations for business. So you find out that if there's any trending gospel music, any gospel song that is blowing up, on radio, on streaming platforms. Some other music minister somewhere will just take the chorus. And create their version. version. Yes. Another one with, nah, Without nah, proper nah. documentation. So, no proper licensing. Nobody respects the original creator of the song. Then you find the same song has like four, five different versions on Apple Music, on, on Audio Mac, on Spotify. So... Even, and all this can take place within three months or four months. So if you have a gospel music that is really, really on fire now, you just find that another music minister will just Let, me show, you, course. let me show you something. So I was going through, I don't know if you know Dunsin, when you come. I was going through, uh, I think there was a particular day I couldn't access my Apple music, so I, I went to Audio Mac to listen to his album. Mm-hmm. And I now realized that the album I had been listening to when I got to the end of the album, it wasn't his name that was there. It was someone else's name. And that person, let me, I took a screenshot 
because I knew I was going to show it to you. I now went to his own account, original account, and realized that, so that person had millions of streams, but his own wasn't up to a million as at the point of, of uh, so I, I was even trying to think about it that even Audio Mark should have been able to, I mean, do something about it because it was really disheartening that um, someone else can take a whole album of over one hour and I'm sure Audio, I know Audio Mark pays um, for, yeah. for streams. Yeah. So the person had, I think, two, three million streams. So that is why, you know, that is why every, everybody who creates music must have, you know, professionals or experts who look after their catalog. And again, Audio, Audio Mac is a platform that allows for, you know, creating covers of music and all of that. But at the same time, um, it could be the case that those who are, uh, those who own that catalog have already taken legal steps. They could okay. still leave it on there on the platform. But the money will be going the, to the them. The money will be going okay. to them. So this is, this is the screenshot. So this is the, the first one. This is the, if you check the name, it's something like Gracie there. And you can see the streams there, yeah. two million. Now, if you exit that picture and go down, scroll down, you see Dunsin's original one, which is verified um, accounts yeah. there. And I don't even think it's up to a million it plays. Have up to, this one has two million two hundred and twelve. <laughs> Dunsin has uh, six hundred and forty-six. So that's more than almost four times yeah. the amount of streams. So I saw it. It was just a random day. And I saw it and I was like, no, nah, definitely, I need to um, bring Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Dunsi's camp would, you know, actively chase after... Because I think... Um, the royalties there. It's, it's, it's very easy for... In With the technology, industry. you can easily just make a complaint and then divert the money. So, but previous earnings cannot... Uh, if the person has withdrawn previous earnings... Oh, man, I don't think... I don't <laughs> think any remedy... Because it could actually be a faceless person or... Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you can track... Yeah, but I think with technology, you can track anybody. You, you go after the account. Where has the money been going to? Yeah, it's been then, going somewhere. Yeah, yeah, the money must have been going somewhere. Because I think, as I was saying, that um, in the gospel industry, it's quite easy for you to say, oh, God bless you. And no, and it's... And then you move on. You move on. And it's, I think it's a knowledge problem because if you are contributing to the success of your song, then definitely you should also, I mean, I understand that you might be doing it for God, but at the end of the day, there is a business side to it that must be taken care of. And so people just need to be aware, which is like part of why I'm doing this, for more people to understand that, oh, you can't just take handshake after playing for a song that goes viral and the artist is paying their bills and is comfortable and you are still flying bike mm. with your bass guitar on your back. Mm. You understand? So things like that are, are part of the reasons why um, these conversations are happening. And I'm, I'm, I'm so excited that um, a lot of these questions are being answered right now. So um, as we begin to um, wrap up, I want to speak about the concept of credits. So there yeah. was a... Because you always do this stuff on your Instagram, which I think is very insightful. And if you're not following him on Instagram, you should, at Akinyemi Law, 
especially if you're interested in music and um, music-related conversations. So there was something you posted recently. I don't want to mention the artist name. I'm sure you probably know who the artist is. And somebody came up and was like, oh, I helped you when you didn't have anything. And um, you didn't, now that you've blown, you don't remember me. And there's also another thing that I've also been um, thinking about that. Does any artist actually owe the producers and songwriter credits? So for example, this is just a random example now. Okay. Whiskey's made in Lagos. The album art. You know, in normal album art, people put like a section where you have producers, mixing engineers, and stuff like that. So is the producer or are these producers and songwriters old physical credits maybe on the album art or stuff like that? And what's generally your perspective on credits and um, giving credits to people? Yeah, um, the, the first the first uh, reference that you made, which is what I posted with somebody crying foul that they helped build the career of a particular singer, and now she's A-list, she's uh, successful, and then she hasn't done anything for him. I think that that is the nature of the business, really. When a talent is on the rise, a lot of people come together to push. And in the absence of any proper, well-documented relationship, it will be naive of anybody to think they're entitled to reciprocity. I believe this is the... See, I believe the music business is one of the toughest business where a lot of people do not appreciate... You know, creatives have very short attention span and a large chunk of them do not even remember, um, they, they do not remember the good times. Most of the time, they remember just the bad times. <laughs> they do not remember the good times when people were pouring into them, investing into their craft and, you know, rooting for them, being in their corner to get to the next level. But they remember just the minor disagreements and all of that. So in the absence of any kind of well-documented relationship, see, if you are investing in anybody, just know that it would be naive of you to expect that they would also, you know, collaborate with you or invest in you in the near future. So if you are not, if you are a talent manager, make sure you get what is due to you. If you're a lawyer, get what is due to you. If you are a co-collaborator, if you are a songwriter, if you are a record producer, just get what is due to you when you can. Because don't think, oh, years later, years later, this person would show me the same kindness. <laughs> so the second thing is, you know, it is very, very important that songwriters and record producers get credited for their work. Let me mention one of the fastest growing and accomplished songwriter record producer in Nigeria which is P-Prime. You know, P-Prime didn't suddenly arrive. Yeah. He started working, you know, with, I think, um, Zlatan, Copy. Yeah, that was... Uh, and then the Lamide, and now Wiz, and many others. So, getting proper credit means you have been acknowledged. People go on the album at... But although not all album ads, <laughs> not all album ads have the section, section credits. 
But it used to be the case, uh, you know, maybe when we were using vinyl, CDs, and yes, 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 tapes, yes. that people got credits and all of that. But now, where streaming is the other of the day, people still get credits on Spotify. But sadly, especially in Nigeria, a lot of people <laughs> do not submit the names of songwriters and record producers for proper credits. Okay, so whose responsibility is it? Yeah, it to is. Do that? It is whoever submitted the record for distribution. So most of the time, maybe the artists it is and the recording team. artists and their team that should provide all this information to the distributors so that the name of the record producer is there, the name of songwriters that collaborated on the record is there. Because really, leaving all these things to vibe and inshallah <laughs> is costing somebody something. Yes. And it's because really when sad. you listen to a great record, some of the records you ask, especially if you are, if you are in a business, you say, oh, produce this record. Yes. Oh, Because you might want to work with wrote? that person. Yes. So in the absence of any kind of acknowledgement, the then nobody knows. Out. And that means, you know, opportunities are being lost. So that's why I always insist, you know, from the producer contract to the songwriter contract, insist on getting your credit. When your credits are not being uh, properly given, pursue further, because you're not doing it for now. You're doing it for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. And so, even after the person passes. Exactly. You want to be acknowledged for all your works. That's amazing. That's amazing. Because... From on, on days like this now, we can remember, like, for example, I, I, we know OJB produced, um, rest in peace, OJB, he produced um, Two Faces' first album, and we can give him, um, hopefully he's earning credit, his estate is earning um, royalties from that up to this day and things like that. So I think it's, it's uh, I'm just hoping everyone with time gets accustomed to things like this. And I'm sure also if they have, so is there anything that can be done to, Fix the situation where maybe with Spotify, yeah, yeah, yeah distribution yeah. platforms yes, like that. Yes, um, you know, these things can be fixed. All you just need to do is you know call the attention of the platform, uh, and they will do the right thing. Okay, that's I think that's that solves the um, problem for everybody. Okay, so I, I know I've said this is this has been one hour already. It's it's interesting how this. Time flies every time. But yeah, let's um, quickly just put some finishing touches to this. So what should every record producer, or before we even get to that, for, let's speak. Do you, do you work with any engineers? Um, yeah, I have worked with a couple. Because I want Alpha to know, Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's... Great guy. Um, a lot of, I work with a lot of mixing engineers. So I want to know if there is... Um, so we know songwriters, producers have like points or, yeah. or royalties to earn on composition. But do engineers have any stake in all of this or where well, do they get their earnings from? You know, it's, it's, it, it, nothing is off limits if you want to negotiate for that. But again, that is not the standard industry practice. practice. Oh, if you are not writing the music, usually you would not be entitled to publishing royalties. Um, what else? But we've seen in Nigeria, DJs, they get 50% publishing even when they didn't create any beat or they didn't write any lyric. But, you know, because they put everything together, 
they were the ones that chose the beats. Then they brought this artist, come and do the chorus. It's a song like um, DJ Neptune now, for example. I don't want to mention any name. Okay, okay. But, just... you know, most of them do not even know how to produce any record, but they are good with their a and skills. They know how to pick the right party records. And then they claim half of the publishing. Then everybody <laughs> else can split the remainder. So, same thing. I think mixing engineers can also... If they have what it takes, if they have that, if they are that powerful and they have the leverage, they might be looking at in, looking in that direction as well. Okay, because why I asked that is that, for example, and why I mentioned DJ Neptune is um, when Basket Mouth's um, album came out, everybody was like, ah, Basket Mouth didn't sing on this um, album, so why is he the owner? So it's just a situation of um, leverage. I think at the end of the day, yeah. what you can your stake. In the whole you know, thing. Um, even when, when you look at PDD, there are times when he gets credit just for being the one that greenlighted the project and gave the final um, and give the final approval. So maybe as executive producer or being able to choose the producers that worked on each record. So there's still some kind of contribution, but you know, writing the lyrics or creating the instrumentals, that, I think that's where the major work is. All right, so uh, can you just give a summary of what every producer needs to have in their backpack when they are going in maybe for a session to ensure that yeah, their so bases are covered? Record producers should ensure that they have an idea of what they would benefit for their contribution to the record. So have an idea, am I getting an upfront fee as a producer advance? Like a $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, $4,000, $10,000. <laughs> yeah. So that is number one. Number two, are you going to be getting producer points on the sound recording? Okay, so the money artists pay for beats is different from the royalties. Interesting. Exactly. Because the sound recording would be alive for maybe 50 years. After the death of... Uh, you know, if it's owned by an individual after the death of the individual, if it is owned by a company, from when the music is published, they have like 50 years to exclusively exploit it before it goes into the public domain. 50 years? Yes. So royalties will be generated constantly on that. So you, you want to be sure that even if you collected $10,000, after it has been recouped, how much is $10,000? After that has been recouped, maybe you continue to get 5% on royalties that are generated on that record. So this is on the master For that 50 now. years, yes, on the master. Okay, so producers can get master points? Yes, they can. We call them producer points. Now, after your advance and your master royalties and your points and your producer points, the third, very, in fact, the most important thing is what percentage of the composition is yours. So what is your publishing split on the record? So those are the three major things. Also, the fourth one that I'd like to add is your ability to also license the record. I've mm -hmm. run into many transactions where maybe for whatever reason, the producer and the artist are no longer in good terms. <laughs> and then the producer needs that money, maybe that's $6,000. And then the bigger guy who is the artist says, no, I'm not licensing. 
There are so many intricacies to these things. Yeah, it's a very complex world, but it's an interesting world as well. So there's that, a lot of money to go around. That even further shows how important lawyers are because you guys know all of these things. And so I think every creative, even beyond the music industry, like you said, arts, movies. I, I even heard somewhere that dance now can be um, protected. Yeah, and choreographer, like um, choreography. So, so every almost every if not everyone needs a lawyer or in one way or the other. Exactly. That's 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 amazing. So um as we round up, I have like some general questions I like to ask um people. Okay. So what what are your plans for longevity in this business? Yeah, um I believe in getting better, learning new things. I'm studying a lot. Recently, you know, the law firm is expanding and we're doing more work. So um, I believe uh, we are well on course to build a Pan-African music law practice that would have, you know, dozens of lawyers just uh, doing God's work for African talents in different countries. That's number one. Number two... Um, I'm passionate about the songwriting community in Nigeria and I will continue to, you know, do a lot in that space. Uh, songwriting camps, production camps, songwriting competitions, songwriting events. We'll keep doing it um, just to continue to spotlight how important songwriters are in Nigeria, uh, which is why I had to come on your podcast because I think... You know, uh, what we're trying to do can, kind of aligns. And we just need to be able to let people understand that this is also a multi-billion dollar industry. The recording business is great, but also the songwriting business is also a money spinner. And uh, what else? If I, want, if I want to be remembered when I'm long gone, maybe like in 80, 90 years time, <laughs> <laughs> I want people to remember me for my work in the Nigerian songwriting community. I think you're already on the path to that, definitely. And um, we can look forward to more challenges from you that, by God's grace, will spread far more and um, more people will be involved. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. really looking forward to that. And I'm available to help in any way that yeah. I can. Like, absolutely. I believe uh, we, we should have something like in the, in the next six weeks. A new songwriting exclusive, exclusive. <laughs> By the way, this is September. I don't know when the podcast is going to be published. This is 18th September. Yeah. So when I say in six weeks, I'm talking from today. Maybe November. Okay, okay, okay. The pod this episode should go live uh, in three weeks. All right. So, All right. so that means. Uh, events would not have. Yes. Yeah, so people will be aware. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So in your spare time. What do you do when you're not doing um, law-related stuff? I mean, apart from gymming. <laughs> <laughs> Let's even talk about the gymming. Why everybody that follows you on Instagram knows that there is Akinyemi Law, there is Akinyemi and Yolua, and there is Yemzilla. Yes, so... <laughs> so tell us about Yemzilla, the gym. Yeah, Yemzilla is a fun guy. <laughs> he, he wants to look fit. He wants to look athletic. And, you know, that, came, that, that became uh, a new lifestyle for me since COVID because 
<laughs> when the COVID happened, I, I I gained like 10 kg. I don't even want to talk about so the I weight. Became, yeah, I became very big. And I couldn't wear my clothes after the pandemic. I, I was having pains in my in my legs and oh, wow. I had to lose like 10 kg like in less than two months. So when I lost that 10 kg, I, I, I started seeing myself <laughs> as a lepa, as a <laughs> lean, thin looking guy. So I needed to just build muscles, and so that's what I. That's when I started lifting, and I think in November it will be one year of actively lifting weights. I think I started my exercise, my fit fam journey. I think last year, 2020, sometime in July. That's interesting. I started running actively every day. I mean, I met you on one of the days exactly, when you were running. Exactly. So, <laughs> so the thing is, um, I intend to keep this as a lifestyle. I want to stay fresh, look young as as long as I can. Because this <laughs> business, you you also have to look attractive and athletic. So it, it helps. Which is why I said if I would hire you as my lawyer because you can, if you need to yeah, so throw punches. <laughs> no, we'd rather, we'd rather avoid that. So apart from lifting weights, what do I like? To do? I like to have a nice time, you know, you know, drink a bottle of wine, eat with the people you care about and... You know, just have fun generally. So how do you, because um, earlier in the podcast, we spoke about you um, welcoming a new baby and all of that. And it's obvious the law business is very time consuming. So how is how do you strike a balance between yeah, we, all of this? Uh, you see, I, I really, really I, I do a lot of remote working. Oh, okay. That's so, perfect. you know, I have two kids and me trying to balance my time as something I never want my work to get in the way of being a responsible father or a loving husband that is always available. So I'm thankful. Uh, one of the good things Corona has instilled in us is being able to, you know, work remotely. And the world is adjusting to that. There's a lot of stress on the Nigerian uh and uh, in, in the Lagos road. Thank you for specifying. Yeah, the Lagos road. There's a lot of madness. It's, it's something so, else. It's a it's a blessing when you can work from home. Like just try to avoid all those long traffic, um, all those long hours on the road due to traffic. You know, commute time. Some people their commute time is like three hours, four hours to get to work. They have to wake up as early as four five a.m. to be. I work for it. Trust me, coming from someone that was in Port Harcourt, I don't want to tell you about my first day on Third Minute. You could not adjust. I wore, it I was took on a while. A, I was on a suit that mm. day. That was the last day I wore a suit since the time I got to Lagos. I'm telling you, I haven't worn a suit to work since then. It, it's it's absurd. It doesn't. No, no, no. It's not. Lagos uh, is very hectic, man. Like, that's a, but that's. I think that's 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 good. That's amazing. Uh, if you weren't doing music law, what would you be doing? Well, uh, I would have been a super agent. I would have been an advocate in the creative industry, which I'm still doing somehow. Um, talent management could have been an option. Uh, you know, representing songwriters and record producers as a talent manager too. So I, I'm happy that I'm working in the music business. I'm really, really excited for um, what is possible. The music industry in Nigeria is growing at the fast rates. Our songs, our records are appreciated globally. 
And, you know, the possibilities are endless. Very endless. That's, that's, that's really profound. Um, lastly, I want you to tell us who you would like to see on the podcast, or to hear, rather. Who do you think should come on the podcast? So it doesn't on have this to podcast? Be, yeah, on this podcast. So it can be, like I said, the aim of this podcast is, is to spotlight the guys behind the scenes. Yeah, so, I like Mr. Easy. I think Mr. Easy is my favorite Nigerian music business professional. Thank you for not seeing music artists because he's, yeah, he's because way out of that line. He's now. one of my biggest inspirations. Apart from, apart, apart from Mr. Easy, Tega, Tega Maven. Okay. That is somebody that, you know, very knowledgeable. Godwin Tom is also another guy that I know that he knows his stuff. And, you know, these guys have done a lot of work and I respect them. And that man, Mr. Easy, blows my mind up every time, every day. He's the only, he's the only guy that I'm really, really looking forward to his vision meet, is meeting with and, crazy. you know, seeing... In the near future, I'd also like to work with him. So, um, who else? Who else? Who else? I mean, think of producers, A&Rs, yeah, man. lawyers. In, in terms of man. producers, I, I love SARS. <laughs> I, I like I like SARS to just you know, it's one of my it's one of the reasons why I'm actually lifting weight. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh yes, that's true. SARS yeah. is another gym yeah, yeah. gym rat. SARS, so, <laughs> shout out to SARS. SARS, answer my DM. <laughs> to happen now. Just go through is Yeah, definitely, definitely. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Mr. This, David. I mean, I can't I can't begin to express how um, receptive you've been since we got into conversations with this. And I'm really, really super grateful for this. Where can people find you on social media if they yeah, want to connect? I can't mean law on Twitter, on Instagram, but I'm most active on Instagram. Okay. And so, um your your law firm? And my law firm is situated at uh, Dolphin Estate, but you can just ch check online, hightowerlawyers.com. You can reach out if you're trying to connect with us. All right. That's reach out, get representation today. Get representation <laughs> today. I will not say it again. Thanks for the shout out. <laughs> Thank you so much. I hope um, everyone listening has learned a thing or two. Um, please follow the podcast on our social platforms, Twitter at WMTSPod, Instagram at Who Made That Song Pod, and um, YouTube, Who Made That Song, with a question mark. This podcast is available. Make sure everywhere. you follow, support, share. Share, like, leave a rating, yeah. please. It's really important because... We need to support this yeah, songwriting. I need uh, more people focused to... Focused show. Yeah. And um, share with someone, like he said already, um, follow me on my personal account at davidrotimi underscore. Um, feel free to send me a DM or anything. Um, leave a very nice review and comment. And um, see you guys on the next episode. We are signing out. Bye.